Good morning. Everybody doing well? Excellent. I, uh, man, I'm excited for today. Been waiting on this day for a while. And I did not sleep good last night. I'm so excited. Maybe it had something to do with multiple kids in my bed. I don't know. Uh, but listen, I have made up for it with copious amounts of caffeine and processed sugar. So we're ready. All right, we're ready. Um, I don't know if, if it's okay to have a favorite version of the uh, resurrection story, uh, but mine is Luke's. And so I just want to start this morning. I'm going to read uh, how Luke kind of records the events of this morning. Uh, in, it's, it's in the same chapter, Luke 24, verses 1 through 5. Here, here's how Luke records this event. It says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, I love this, Why do you seek the living among the dead? I like, I like it because there's like a little tone of sarcasm in there, right? I, I am bilingual, English and sarcasm, okay? And so I, I, appreciate, I appreciate that take on it. But, uh, but no, listen, I, I love that, right? Because these dazzling uh, men appeared and, and they basically say, hey, why are, you, why are you here? This is a tomb. A tomb is where dead people are. But Jesus, the one you're seeking, uh, to use the language you might use in Kentucky, he ain't here. Because he ain't dead. All right? So that's the message we proclaim this morning. That's, uh, it, it's that announcement that, that Jesus is not in the tomb, that Jesus is risen, that, that literally changed the world. I mean, changed, that's, that's not a cliche statement. It changed the world. The fact that 2,000 years later, we are here on the other side of the world, still talking about that event, right? It's, that's evidence that it literally changed the world, right? And, and more specifically, the reason we're talking about it 2,000 years later on the other side of the world is because Jesus appeared to a room full of his disciples and he sent them out to proclaim that message. And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this morning about what happened in that room? All right, it's what Eugene just read about. Uh, so here, here's what I got. I got two, two points for you this morning, okay? I normally am not a point guy, right? Just not how my brain works. Uh, very rarely do I have very well-articulated, formulated points because the Lord just didn't wire me that way. Like if you try to take notes from me speaking, I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> That's difficult. I understand that. Um, but I do have, as I read this week, two things that I just kept coming back to over and over and over again. The first one is this, peace that comforts. All right, peace that comforts. The second one, presence that confirms and compels. All right, so I'll try to make sense of that this morning. Let's talk about uh, peace that comforts. All right, but by way of context, uh, I don't have to give you as much context because Eugene gave you Plenty of it, right? Uh, but, but at this point where we find the disciples, this, uh, uh, this text is they are locked, hiding inside this room. 
right? Uh, at, at this point, again, Jesus has been resurrected, uh, although they don't know the fullness of what that means. And so they are locked, hiding inside of a room uh, out of fear for uh, the Jewish leaders, right? The Jewish leaders, uh, they had just witnessed days earlier these Jewish leaders come, arrest Jesus, uh, deliver him over to the Roman authorities to be crucified. Right? And these disciples know that, man, people know that we're associated with Jesus. And if they did that to Jesus, what are they going to do to us? And so they're locked, hiding inside uh, of this room out of fear of what had happened. Right? But uh, in addition to fear, I, I would have to imagine, at least at this point, before uh, before they begin to get word of what's happened, there's some, and there's some despair. There's some doubt. I mean, we talk about the crucifixion, Good Friday, as we should. We talk about Easter, the resurrection on Sunday. But can you imagine what that, that Saturday in between must have been like? I mean, just, just think about these disciples. Right? For the last three or so years of their lives, they have... I mean, they have reoriented every aspect of their lives. They've left careers. They've left homes. They've reoriented everything in their lives around following this man, Jesus. Right? They believed that he was the Savior of the world. Uh, he was the Christ. He was the Messiah. Uh, and then they watched him be arrested. They watched him be beaten, mocked. They watched him be crucified and murdered and put into a tomb. And as far as they knew... This man that they'd given their lives to was dead in a tomb. And so I imagine that, that in this room, it's, it's conjecture, right? I, I admit that. But I imagine there's some feelings of like, what do we do now? I, we've just given our lives to this guy, and, and now he's dead in a tomb. I imagine there's, there's some aspect of them looking at each other and just thinking, just trying to pick up the pieces, right? Like, where do we go from here? Right? And it's into that, in that moment, locked inside of a room, just trying to process what, what has just happened the last 48, 72 hours. It's in that room that uh, Jesus shows up. Right? Actually, before that, the, the uh, two visitors show up, the, the visitors that were there on the road to Emmaus. And they begin to tell these disciples how they encountered the resurrected Jesus. And it's in that moment uh, that we pick up our text in verse 36. It says, As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. Right, so they're there in this room. These visitors have showed up. They're trying to explain how they just were walking on the road to Emmaus and then uh, they were talking to somebody and they didn't know who it was at first and all of a sudden they realized, oh, this is Jesus that we're talking to. Right, and so they're having this conversation with the disciples I would imagine it's kind of a passionate conversation, right? And then Jesus just shows up. He doesn't knock. He doesn't ring the doorbell. He doesn't come busting through the door like Kramer and Seinfeld. Some of you guys have seen Seinfeld, right? If you have, it's, it's great to show about nothing. Um, for, for real, that's what it is, and it's, it's great. Anyways, Jesus just shows up, like on the scene, Right? And uh, we'll come back to the craziness of that in just a minute. But what I want you to, to look at are the very first words that Jesus said to this group of gathered disciples is what? Peace to you. Right? Peace to you. Now, that was a, 
That was a pretty common greeting at the time. Right? That's a, a regular way to greet people in that culture. Peace to you or peace be with you. Um, but it, when you think about it in the, in the context of what's going on in this setting, like it, it's probably a surprising greeting. Because right? remember, they, they've just been sitting in this room, locked away, hiding out of fear. Right? Not only that, but they're trying to figure out how do we, how do we move on the last three years of our lives, were they wasted? Like, did we just believe something crazy? Right? They're picking up the pieces. And, and not only that, but uh, when you consider, like, what happened in the, the moments, in the, uh, the hours and the moments after Jesus was crucified, if you kind of piece together Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you see is that, that almost all of the disciples, at some point or another, actually abandoned Jesus when they saw what his fate was. Right? Peter gets a bad rap because we got his denial in, in detail, and Jesus predicts it beforehand, right? But, but if you piece together all the gospel accounts, all the disciples, they kind of, they kind of scattered. Right? So imagine them sitting in this room. The, the, the resurrected Jesus just shows up. Right? What would... Put yourself in their position. What do you think Jesus would say? Maybe some words of anger? How could you guys disbelieve? Maybe some words of frustration? Like, what are y'all talking about? Did you, did you doubt me? Maybe words of condemnation? Maybe that's what we would expect, right? But the resurrected Jesus shows up, and the first thing he says is what? Peace to you. Peace to you. It's, it's in their fear in their doubts, in their despair, in their denials, in their failures, that Jesus speaks three words that just calms what I imagine would have been some anxious hearts. Peace to you. And I can't help but wonder, maybe some of you here in this room need to hear those words. Peace to you. Maybe, I don't, again, I don't know your stories. Man, I don't know your background. Maybe you're here, you're just kind of a discouraged Christian. Or maybe you're just not yet a believer. Uh, but you have sort of this, this underlying sense that, that God is just angry and frustrated with you. Right? Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just a tradition you grew up in has made you believe this about God. Maybe it's uh, what you were taught when you were younger. Right? Maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's you projecting some, some father wounds on what you think God is like, but you have this, this underlying sense that, that God is just like frustrated and angry, and he's like, he's like the, uh, the dad at the t-ball field that's trying to live vicariously through his son, right? just standing off at a distance with his arms folded, just yelling rebukes. Like, like maybe that's, that's what you, you think God is like. And man, I, what makes it so tough is like there's a, there's a sliver of truth in that. And I want you to hear me. There's a sliver of truth, right? Because, man, your sin does break God's heart. Right? God is, is just to pour out anger and wrath toward sin. And, and, and the reality is, is there's nothing you could do on your own to satisfy God's wrath towards your sin. But... 
The good news of the gospel, the good news that we celebrate Easter weekend, the, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. Man, the, the good news of the gospel is that, is that God has made a way for you. Like in Jesus, God's, God's view of you is not one of disappointment, anger, frustration. If you are in Christ. Right? The, the gospel is good news. Right? The, the, here's verse we all know, right? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Right? Now that's a great verse. We know that verse. Everybody's got that memorized probably in some capacity. But, uh, but I'm convinced that the next verse, 3.17, is not like... Just as incredible. Here's what John writes in the next verse. He says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, it's through the sacrificial death, the victorious resurrection of Jesus, that God has, has moved towards you. Right? He's not standing at a distance like waiting for you to get your act together. He's moved towards you in the person and work of his son, Jesus Christ. Right? All you have to do is receive it. Believe it by faith. Right? Peace to you. Right? That's the word Jesus had to his disciples. That's the word for us this morning. Here's, I want to Read this. I've, I've leaned a lot on Isaiah over the last week or so as he prophesied this event uh, back hundreds of years before Jesus was even on the scene. Right? He prophesied the, the death of Jesus on the cross. But here's what he writes about it. Isaiah 53, verse 5. It says, But he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us Peace, right? Peace to you. Peace to all who would believe. And so if you're here this morning and, and you feel like crippled out of some sort of despair or shame or guilt, I just want you to know that the God of the Bible has invited you out from under that because of what Jesus has done for you. That's the good news of the gospel. Right? If you're a Christian and you're discouraged, you just need to be reminded of that. If you're here and you're not a believer, I would just, this is what's, it's what you've been invited into. This is what you've been invited into. Peace. Peace. All right, so I talked about, so I had two things for you. Peace that comforts, presence that uh, confirms and compels. All right, so let's talk about that presence. All right, look back at verse 37. Luke writes, But they were startled, the disciples were startled and frightened, and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. 
So the first thing uh, that I find interesting is that when Jesus shows up in this room, just, just appears, right, shows up among his disciples, the thing I find interesting is that uh, for them, they thought it was more likely that they saw a ghost than that they actually saw the resurrected Jesus. You ever think about that? Like that's the whole point of this kind of few verses is Jesus has to go to great lengths to prove to them, I am real. I am not a ghost. Now maybe Luke is just kind of trying to heighten or, or highlight the, the, their sense of shock and surprise. Or maybe our enlightened Western minds uh, just too quickly dismiss the spiritual and the supernatural because we can't totally wrap our minds around it. That's conversation for another day. Okay, Back to the point. Luke's, Luke's point in these verses is he's going to great lengths to emphasize with, with clarity so that it cannot be mistaken that, that Jesus has physically, bodily resurrected. Like he's there in the flesh, alive and in person. This is not a vision. This is not some sort of ethereal idea or concept. This is the resurrected Jesus standing in the midst of his disciples. And here's why that's important. Because the resurrection matters. The resurrection is, is central. The resurrection matters. Here's how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15. For, for context, he, he's writing to a group of people. He's sort of confronting them because they don't believe that uh, physical resurrection, bodily resurrection is a real thing. And so he's sort of... Uh, coming at that a little bit and talking about the importance of resurrection. Here's what he writes, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 16 and 17. He says, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, which is, it's meaningless, it's pointless, and you are still in your sins. Right, Paul's point is without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not, not as an idea, not as a, a concept, as a, an actual event, the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without that, we're just wasting our time. Right? If Jesus is still in the tomb, then, man, sin won. If Jesus is still in the tomb, death wins. If Jesus is still in the tomb, his his sacrificial death on the cross was not sufficient enough payment for our sins. And so Paul's point is that, man, the, the resurrection matters. It matters. That's why Luke goes to great lengths to, to prove, hey, this is Jesus with his disciples. That's why Jesus is like, hey, touch my hands. It's me. I'm here. Right? That's why Jesus goes to, to great lengths to prove he's real by, by eating. Part of me finds it kind of humorous. Maybe it's just my warped sense of humor. They're like Jesus shows up on the scene. He's like, hey, touch me here. I'm real. Let me prove to you I'm real. You got any fish? I've been, I've been dead for the last couple of days, and so like, I haven't had a chance to grab a bite to eat. You got anything here? Right, but, but the point is that spirits don't eat. He's making it abundantly clear to his disciples, I am here. I am alive. I am resurrected because the resurrection matters. Because without the resurrection, there really is no good news. 
It's Jesus' resurrection that confirms that what happened on Good Friday was sufficient to pay for all of your sin, to cover all your guilt, all your shame. That's why the resurrection matters. Right? But the resurrection, not only does it confirm, it also compels. Right? I think um, what happens here in this, this room, not this room here, but the room we're reading about, is that um, Jesus shows up, right, resurrected Jesus, and he's going to send them out to go and preach this gospel to the ends of the earth. You're going to hear more about that next week, Lord willing, so I don't want to preach that sermon this morning. But I, I do want to point out just the significance of, of what's happened. Because okay, where we pick this text up, the disciples are huddled in a room out of fear for what might happen to them. Right, that, that's where this begins. But then the resurrected Jesus shows up, and in uh, the days and weeks and months and years that follow, these men that were huddled in this room out of fear go out into the world and, and give their lives to proclaim the message that Jesus is alive. In fact, I think that's one of the the strongest arguments for the resurrection of Jesus is like the 180 degree transformation in the disciples. Right? In his crucifixion, they, they scatter. Right? Peter, man, he gets scared off by a middle school girl. She's like, weren't you one of the disciples? Nope. He's, right? he's, he's cursing a middle school girl because she's associating him with Jesus. And then Peter would be the one that would go on in, in Acts 2 and like, just bold-faced preach to the religious leaders and be like, you guys crucified him, but here's what you actually did. Just calls them out to their face, man. Because the resurrection compels them. These men in this room would go on. Uh, church. Some of this is in the Bible. Some of it's church history and tradition. Uh, but, but these men would go on and, and literally... Almost all of them literally give their lives to proclaim this message to the ends of the earth. And I don't mean give their lives in the sense of it's just what they did with their lives. I mean, like, it got them killed. Proclaiming that Jesus Christ was alive, resurrected, that your sins could be forgiven, that you could have eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. That message got them killed because they saw the resurrected Jesus. And it compelled them to go and share that good news with others. Every one of the disciples, almost every one of the disciples, was either uh, stabbed to death, speared to death, stoned to death, clubbed to death, beheaded. Right? They died in some gruesome manner because they witnessed the resurrected Jesus. The only one that even got away with his life was John. And that was after like they tried to deep fry him in boiling oil. Not making that up. Then they exiled him to, to the island of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. Right? It, it cost them their lives. But, but is that not man, some of the greatest evidence for the, the resurrection? That these men go from being huddled in fear to proclaiming that message at the cost of their own lives. It was the, the resurrection that gave them confidence that compelled them to proclaim the good news of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin 
and the promise of eternal life. And it's, it's the resurrection of Jesus that still compels us today. Right? It's the reason we're gathered here in this room on Easter Sunday, 2,000 years later, on the other side of the world. It's the reason, I mean, here, you want some confidence. Right? You want some, some boldness and some courage to live in such a way that, that come what may, you remain faithful to the end. If you want that, you need to look no further than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look no further than the resurrection of Jesus Christ because it's, it's in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that payment was made, but it's the resurrection that is evidence, proof, that the payment was sufficient. The check cleared. And because of that, because of that, you're... Your sins can be forgiven. Because of that, Satan and hell and death have been conquered. Because of the resurrection. And it's because of the resurrection that that you can have the hope and the promise of eternal life. That's available to you this morning because of the resurrection. So, man, you... You want, to be, you want to live in confidence? You want to live in uh, courage? You want to live in boldness? It's to know that, that no matter what happens, no matter what you encounter, no matter what you endure, that the same resurrection that Jesus experienced awaits you. Death's lost its sting. The grave has lost its power. That's available to you through faith in Jesus Christ. All right, would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for the goodness of your word. We thank you for the, the promise of eternal life that is available to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, my prayer this morning, just as we, we respond, as we celebrate, um, Lord, for those that, that maybe need to feel and experience, be reminded of your peace, I pray that you, pray that you would meet them there this morning. Maybe it's uh, believers that are just discouraged for whatever reason. Father, maybe, they, uh, maybe it's their own sin. Maybe it's just, who knows? Maybe they're just discouraged this morning. I, I pray that that you would remind them that you have moved towards them. Offer them peace because of what Christ has done. And then, Father, for, the, for what I think is probably the, the many more of us in this room, I pray that you would give us boldness and confidence and courage to live in such a way that, that no matter what comes, no matter what uh, we face, no matter what we have to endure, that what awaits us on the far side of that is the promise of eternal life, the hope of resurrection. So Father, help us to live not cowering out of fear, not not pulling back or or hiding out of of worry, but Lord, help us to live with a, a boldness that is inspired by the hope and the promise and the truth of the resurrection. Father, we love you. 
We praise you this morning. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.